Well, Merry Christmas to you all. Okay. Let's try that again. Merry Christmas. You know, you can say it freely here and you won't get yelled at. Praise the Lord. What's all the hubbub about? I'm really glad I got... You know what? Excuse me one second. I have to get all together here. See, I knew I would have to do this. Hi, that's better. Now, now you're feeling. Now we're feeling it, right? Sorry, uh, Bozix. We need to. We need to have a little side seats over here, going this way. You know, like in chancels and real cathedrals, they have side seats facing this way, right? Yep. Hey, I'm onto something here. There you go. Okay, so I'm really glad I got the newspaper today. How about you? I I uh, I found out what Christmas season is all about. Star Wars. Star Wars, baby. That's what... They, they got to have, like, Santa stormtrooper suits or something soon, you know? But the force is with them. Boy, that's all the hubbub, isn't it? Have you noticed? It's everywhere. That's because the force is with them. That's what it says right on this paper, okay? Well, maybe that's some of it. Um... I looked inside here. This was chock full of information. I had no idea what I was going to preach on this morning if this hadn't come. <laughs> and I found out, oh, Christmas trees. It's about Christmas trees, right? Everybody got your trees up? Yep. Nobody wants to admit if they don't at this point, right? And uh, how many of you have real ones? Got to have real. Got to. Sorry about you. Uh, uh, that's okay. Christmas tree. You know where our main tradition began? Well, actually, it really goes back to... They didn't tell this. Of course, I didn't, I'm not surprised that they didn't. Martin Luther, for example, took trees in and put candles on them and stuff to celebrate the evergreen representing eternity, right? Some of that idea. But Queen Victoria, 169 years ago, trimmed a royal tree. Now, I don't know what makes it a royal tree, but it was a royal... Oh, you Brits, just calm down. I shouldn't have even brought it up. It's all about the trees, right? It's all about the trees. Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, the White House tree, the tree, anyway, all that. So maybe that's what it's about. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe about Santa, but I couldn't show you Santa today because the church lady, I was tuned into the church lady. Where'd Mike go? There he he sent me a clip, and I got to, uh, Mike, I'm talking to you. You sent me a very helpful clip about the church lady. I did. Yeah, that Santa, if you transpose his letters, comes out as what? Oh, so we don't want to see him. <laughs> Actually, the real Santa, I did this in a chapel uh, last year, I think, uh, here at, at Harmony. Uh, there is a real Santa, and... Uh, Forensic science is trying to reconstruct what he actually looked like. You, you can Google it and find what he actually, the real Santa, the real Saint Nikolai, seriously, was a follower of somebody who really is the reason for the hubbub. But there's a lot of hubbub, is there not? I think the Griswolds were in the spirit of Christmas, don't you think? I know for some of you this is one of your great spiritual traditions every year to watch Christmas Vacation, which was just on TV, as a matter of fact, and uh, we got tainted by a couple of minutes of it. But anyway, there it is. I mean, that guy's really in the spirit of Christmas, don't you think? Okay, I see I have a lot of work to do here. 
I think the spirit of Christmas really kicks in on Black Friday. What do you think? I am so sorry that I missed this. Oh, my goodness. Uh, if you haven't done so and you want to just Google Black Friday, it's unbelievable what you see. Let me show you a couple of people who really got in the spirit of Christmas on Black Friday. <laughs> it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Unbelievable. There were, these guys are pummeling each other. They have people screaming. They caught them on camera. People screaming. One Walmart worker has her hair getting pulled by some other lady, and two workers are trying to separate them and screaming and shoving and fighting and climbing over counters. Man, it doesn't get any better than this. Back in 2008, tragically, you remember, Walmart on Long Island, a man was trampled to death. Seems to me that the spirit of Christmas has been taken over by the spirit of the God of Mammon. And we're out of control like a bunch of barnyard animals sometimes. Kind of embarrassing, don't you think? It's a little bit embarrassing for a civilized people uh, to behave like that. But really, we know it's all about the presence, you know, Right? No. So what is all the hubbub about? I have the definitive word I would like you all to pay attention. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. <laughs> Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Amen. And that is our text today. That's what Christmas is. All. How many of you choke up watching that, huh? <laughs> you want to admit it? I do. Every time. Little good news point. This is free. I'm not even going to charge you for this. After that video came out, the sales of aluminum trees plummeted. <laughs> Real trees, baby. Okay, so anyway. Just kidding. Just kidding. I just want to be clear today. That's what Christmas is all about. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who? A Savior. A Savior. I wanted to be clear about this because um, I don't think it's always clear. We get um, publications. They come via email. Some of you are on the list. We get from uh, Mr. Rayner. He's always got, his, his wheels are always going around. He makes me tired just uh, how many things he's always thinking about. But here's one that came out. It was really appropriate. Ten reasons why friends and family struggle to believe the gospel. 
And one of them is they've never really heard the gospel. Totally missed it. Or, as one of the other bullets says, they struggle to understand the Bible. And so it was on my spirit that we just make it crystal clear what is this about? A Savior. How is he a Savior? Why? Why do we need one? Well, there's a number of reasons, and I want to go through them. And you have uh, in your bulletin a little place to write your notes in. Not that they'll be that hard to remember, because I simply want to talk about three ways that we need a Savior. The first and most uh, obvious one would be if you ever read the newspaper or watch the news is that the, the world in which we live is in trouble and uh, unraveling, it seems like, all the time. And so the first reason we need a Savior is that we need a Savior from conflict. The world is filled with conflict, right? And uh, we're living in times that are scary. We're feeling a lot less secure than we used to feel. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, and I'm not recommending this, but there was a film of, oh, maybe 10 years back now called Children of Men, and it was a description of the human race losing its fertility, almost like this judgment had happened. And uh, people were just very um, tormented and and in grief all the time. And there is a scene in that film where uh, the the star, the, the main character, goes and gets coffee in a coffee shop, and this is in Britain, and as he walks out of the coffee shop, an explosion occurs. And when I saw that the first time, I said, that's our world. That's where we're living anymore. As horrible as it is, we're feeling so insecure. Is there anyone who can bring an end to the incessant conflict? Well, there is. And we know... Uh, that it won't happen immediately. We know that the name of Jesus, one of his names is he's the Prince of Peace. And sometimes people ask, well, where is it? So let me help us understand, if you're, especially if you're new at this, and we say, I don't understand the Bible, let me give you a real short primer, a simple instruction of the basic message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And I'll be even more basic. Genesis is the first book. And Revelation is the last. So if you read everything in between, it's basically going to encapsulate what I'm about to mention. The first concept that really comes out is in the Old Testament. From the very beginning, I wasn't there and neither were any of you. I don't know how that whole mysterious thing happened, but somewhere along the line, God brings man and woman into existence and they are accountable as spiritual beings to a spiritual God physical beings made by a holy God, and they blow it. Anybody know anything about that story? You always get it mixed up. You say they ate the apple. There was no apple. Read it again. It was basically a symbol of rebellion going against what God said. But literally, there's no apple. Even if you take it literally, it's not an apple. It was a pomegranate. It says right in... No, it's a fruit. Nobody really knows. So a mess begins. The author of life, God, has just had his creation say, we want you out. Well, if you push life out of the universe, what are you inheriting? Death. And so immediately death began to work. Physically, they didn't just fall over dead. It began to work. Physically, emotionally. Immediately there's a marital spat. It's a woman's fault. 
What did you do? Well, I couldn't help it, you know. And what did you do? It was the devil's fall. It was the, you know, there's a fight immediately. Everything starts unraveling. The ecology goes down. The scripture says, now you're going to have to slave to eat by the sweat of your brow. It's not the paradise I had in mind. Everything starts to be impacted by death. And so God steps into the picture and says, I'm going to solve this for us because nobody else can. And so he makes a promise to the children of men. And he says, in the future, the seed of the woman, that is, who will ultimately be her offspring, Jesus the Christ, that we celebrate at this time of the year, I will put enmity between the woman and between your seed. He's speaking to the devil here in the form of a serpent. He shall bruise you on the head, you shall bruise him on the heel. For those of you who may not get that, what he's saying is the enemy will manage to crucify the Son of God, to crucify the Savior that God is going to send into the world. But the result of that will be that Jesus, the Savior, rising from the dead, will crush the head of Satan, defeat death, and give us the fabulous gift of eternal life. But there's more to it than that. Because the coming of the Messiah is not just about me having my ticket to heaven. We get that part pretty well, some of us. There's more to it than that. That's not the end of the story. The next thing that he has in mind is that at the other end, you started a generation picturing, if you will, the beginning of time. Go to the far end and you read this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, among, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He shall dwell among them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. If that isn't good news, I don't know what you need to hear. Every tear from their eyes, there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. I'm sorry that there are those who think that's just nice pie in the sky, by and by, hope so. This is the end of the story. The beginning is I'm going to send a savior. You made a mess. Death has entered the world. I'm going to send life back into the world. I'm going to rescue you. And on the other end, we're going to restore everything. Let me just show you the next verse right after. It'll say it all. He who sits on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things I'm going to restore it. I'm going to put it back the way it was supposed to be. You can't do it, but I'm going to do it on your behalf. When Jesus returns. He's going to restore peace. He's going to manifest clearly his full authority as the Prince of Peace. So there's a survey of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. How easy can it get? I had a good old friend from Georgia called him Uncle George. Well, he called himself Uncle George. He would remind me regularly that Mama Green never raised no foolish child. And he said to me when people had asked him, so what's going to happen in the future? And what about all the conflict in the world? He said, well, there's only one thing I know. We win in the end. <laughs> we win in the end. Because we're in him. And he cannot fail. He's going to win. We need a savior from all the conflict because no United Nations, as lofty as their ideals were, is going to bring that to pass. It's not going to happen. Number two, we need a savior from condemnation. Here's where it gets a little stickier. A savior from condemnation. Because we're not always sure. We're not always sure we understand why. 
Mr. Rayner speaking about where people are at in our culture. First of all, he says, there's many who've never really heard the gospel. I know it's in the music uh, while they're fighting in the stores. I know it's in the music. But that doesn't mean we're paying attention or getting it. And one of the things that he said, which I really appreciated, actually two things. One, other messages are screaming more loudly than the message of the gospel, especially in our culture. He's saying that in our culture, there are many, in fact, we are more like what was once third world countries who have perhaps more of the gospel being preached today than we do. So we trip over it. We don't take it seriously. It's so kind of universally discredited that people don't really listen and miss the good news when it's right in front of us, so to speak. And then they mention one other time, one other issue. They fail to see their own lostness. I don't really see my own lost. What's wrong? What's the problem? Now, I think that's really true in our culture. Let me just reemphasize that what we heard from Lioness, very well played, by the way, is repeated in the book of Matthew. The message keeps coming through. The Christmas angels speak the truth. And here it is, Matthew 1, when Joseph is wondering what to do with his pregnant wife, which looked like she had behaved scandalously. By the way, were any of you here for um, Friday night's uh, musical here? It, It was awesome. And there was an excellent musical dramatic rendition about Mary's struggle, being found pregnant and being condemned by people around her and then finally Joseph getting it and coming and receiving her. It's pretty touching. It's very cool. That's what he's struggling with here. There's a whole story in itself just about Joseph processing this whole thing, right? What it cost Mary and Joseph to obey God. You know, we know the end of the story. So, of course you obey God when you know that that's going to happen. Of course you just do that. Yeah, try it. (laughs) it's got to be tough so he's wrestling with it you know what do I do I I love her I don't want to hurt her I don't want to shame her the angel comes the angel of the Lord and says Joseph son of David don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit and she will bear a son you shall call his name Jesus I'll explain that in a second for it is he who will save his people from their sins When you see that for it is he, it must mean there's a connection between the name and what he does. He will save his people from their sins. I know sin is a forgotten concept. The psychologist Carl Menninger, way back, 30 years ago, wrote a book, Whatever Happened to Sin? Frankly, a little reinstitution of sin and guilt would go a long way to help us as a culture. Really? That doesn't sound like... yeah. It does. He will save his people from their sins. Jesus, of course, is related verbally to the Hebrew term for salvation, right? And Jehovah, Yahweh, and salvation. He will save his people from their sins. So there is a verbal connection with the name of Jesus, Jehovah, Jehoshaphat. All of those names in the Old Testament refer to Jehovah saves. And so he'll save his people from their sins. But there is a difficulty with that in our culture because we don't necessarily feel like we are sinners. 
In fact, let me just give you one other verse. This is a great Christmas verse. I'll bet you some of you recognize it. Anybody know it? John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his unique second person of the Trinity. It doesn't mean that he had a whole bunch of children, contrary to what cultists and and Hinduism and other teachings might give you. That's not what it's saying. The word there means unique in all the universe. His only begotten unique son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God basically sent himself into the world, Gesundheit, to intervene on our behalf and to deal with our problem, which is sin. Sin is the thing that alienates us from a holy God. I hope I'm being clear. I'm going to be more clear. In other words, this, which we celebrate every Christmas, we love that tender story, you know, very quaint. By the way, there were no wise men in the manger, for those of you who have that set up. No, it's okay. <laughs> doesn't matter. Nobody cares. All I'm saying is they were first in the manger. That's where the baby comes. Uh, the baby is placed in a manger, which is a feeding trough. They're in a stable somewhere, or some traditions say a cave, because probably caves slash stables could have been utilized together. That would fit in the rocky terrain in, 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 Jerusalem, in Israel, rather. And then this has to, of necessity, in order to be clear about the good news, in order to be clear about what Christmas is all about, this has to be directly connected to this. That's why the baby came, the crucifixion. Some of you have been around a while, might recognize that's the visual crucifixion from the movie Ben-Hur. And uh, I didn't want to bring up Charlton Heston because I don't know how Moses got in that story because it was supposed to be a thousand years later. But anyway, so the first has to lead to the second. Everybody with me on this? The stable, the precious little baby, he's coming for a specific reason. The shadow of the cross is across the manger from the very beginning. That's why he's coming, to save his people from their sins. God so loved the world that he interposed himself. It's amazing, isn't it? I wouldn't want to lay my, even cut off a limb for my neighbor if he was obnoxious to me. And humanity has been quite obnoxious to the living God. Quite so. We don't always get that. We are in a culture, we've probably invested 25, 30 years into building up self-esteem and we basically have said there's nothing wrong with almost anything we do. Anything that was once considered one of the seven deadly sins or not virtuous or kind of socially bad, now today it's all been kind of dismissed. It's somehow explained away. It's, uh, you know, it's some kind of disorder. You, know, you can't help it. So now, I, I, I did a chapel here this last week, and I tried to really put some heavy guilt on our young people and teachers that if they text while driving, they're big sinners. Well, maybe they'll get that, right? Maybe we'll get that. You know what I mean? But, but we really don't feel guilty because look at people driving. Oh, a cop. Right? I'm innocent. No, you're not. Why are you hiding when you go past a cop? <laughs> By the way, I take that seriously. It's not a good thing. 
And I understand the draw and the temptation to get sucked in. I totally get it. But that's small potatoes compared to what sin really looks like. Why is it that we don't get our, our lostness? It's because we don't think too much about it, really. Just a very casual perusal of the Ten Commandments. Anybody remember them? Just a casual perusal of the Ten Commandments. Even just the second half of the group, right? Uh, second half is really not half. It starts with honor your father and mother, and then work your way down through the social commands. Shall not commit murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not, and it works its way down in terms of social consequence, right? You work with, just take that list and ponder it for ten minutes, and you'll find that perhaps you're a sinner. Does that make sense? See, we needed salvation from sin because we do wrong. A while back, I mentioned the uh, Ashley Madison website. I hope I didn't provoke anybody to go check it out. Anybody know what that is? Okay, some of you don't, so let me just be clear again. Ashley Madison website is an interchange for people who want to commit adultery. It's as simple as that. Their little catchphrase is, life is short, have an affair. Which communicates... I deserve this. You know, I'm just so wonderful and amazing, and I just deserve to have so much fun, no matter what the consequences might be. Of course, we don't really think too much about the consequences. So somebody must think that is okay. Somehow they must think it's okay to do that, even if they're married to a spouse who may not agree with them doing it. And it is okay with them until there's a data breach. And all of a sudden, everyone's in a panic. Why? See, deep down, we know we're wicked. We know it. We just lie to ourselves. That's why we need a savior. What do you think sin is? What do you think it is? You're probably right. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. There are things that we carry we know we're broken about. And that is why Jesus came to rescue us from our sins. Yes, he's coming to rescue us from conflict. Wherever his principles are put into place, it does help resolve conflict in the here and now. But in the ultimate scheme of the world, it's going to take his ultimate return to bring things to rest. In the meantime, there's a Savior who came to save us from our sin. And we can know life eternal. We can know it. And he doesn't want us really to be in the dark about it. Well, there's one more thing I want to talk about. Mr. Rayner encourages us that um, one of the reasons, and this won't be a surprise to you, but one of the reasons that people have a hard time with the gospel, wanting to believe in this person, Jesus, and follow him and sign up for the Christian cause, if you will, is that they see hypocrisy in the church. No big shock. And of course, that's really not a great argument for pushing Jesus aside. So I love getting into that dialogue with someone because it's just different forms of hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, if I think I'm better, then I realize that I'm just like the ones that I'm condemning. So really, there is no escape. I need a savior no matter what. I really do. But here's my point. Do we see that? Yes. 
Is that communicating another message that pushes against putting our trust in Jesus? Sure it does. And that's because so many times we miss the fact that our Savior came to rescue us from our chaos and confusion that results from sin in our lives. There's chaos and confusion, right? The illustration I just used a minute ago, think of the chaos that that brings into a life. Absolute chaos, hardship, heartache. Here's what the scripture says, and I'm going to put a verse up. I used to, um, up north, we had this thing posted on our wall. We had a couple of verses in big print posted, and it really was a good one for me to remind me continually of this truth. Watch this, 2 Corinthians. Jesus died for all, that they who live should no longer live for... What? I thought it was all about me. But for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Anybody who's been in church for a few years ever heard the verse that says you've been bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body. That there's a way of following him. There's a, I, it's amazing to me. And by the way, I was... Uh, somebody had shared a video with me recently. It was very encouraging, really, it was. And uh, it had some interviews with some big-name evangelicals who were struggling with the fact that the church is so ineffectual in America. And one of the reasons is we have bought whole hog, hook, line, and sinker into the God of mammon, that it's all about having as many toys as I can possibly have. And the world misses the message of the one who Kathleen Parker wrote about recently in one of her editorials, had absolutely nothing when he was in the world. Nothing. There's a real gap between the Savior and some of his followers. He died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Lord Jesus... We need a savior from ourselves, do we not? And it goes on, two verses later, and I love this verse. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, that counts women too, by the way. Don't think you're off. I just saw you right away. Oh, good. If any person is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, new things are come. You know what that language means? It means that the old order, the broken dying order has been laid aside and his new life-breathing order has come into the, yes, into the life of the believer. Yes, Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about. We need a savior from conflict. Thank God he's going to settle it one day. Absolutely. We need a savior from our condemnation because we're sinners and we're in broken relationship with God and he loves us enough to interpose his own son in the way, his shed blood to rescue us from our sins and we need a savior from our own chaos and confusion. I was thinking about it as I was pondering this message, just trying to make it crystal clear and simple what Christmas is all about. And I scrolled down in my mind all the names, people that I have known personally. Not even talking about those men and women of history whose stories are radical, like Newton, the slave trader who got saved. 
Amazing Grace's story and other great songs are one of those, yeah, great hymns. I think that's the right one, right? Uh, I got the right one? Thanks. I hate to be wrong. <laughs> Lord, save me from myself. But anyway, not even talking about that. I'm just thinking about the few that I've known in my 40 years of ministry. People freed from bondage, from addictions, pornography. Woman who I remember her testimony was to become a genuinely loving person instead of a mean girl. She cataloged herself as a mean girl. She got it. She got it. Left to ourselves. That's how we're broken. I remember a young lady who struggled horrendously with the chaos, the confusion that was feeding a bondage to bulimia, completely freed from that lie and that sin, the chaos and the confusion driven out, thriving in Christ, became a lovely uh, Baptist pastor's wife with five kids, doing great, to the glory of God. A dear friend of mine who was trapped in a wrong relationship, positive the marriage can't work, positive she hated her husband, God freeing, the gospel taking out the chaos and the confusion. That marriage is still thriving today by the glory of God. And I know we have some of those stories here. Praise the Lord, right? And I think of a tech team, a kid a guy who was making very good money in that very lucrative field, who the Holy Spirit freed up from some real tormenting issues, listened to God, stepped out by faith, trained for ministry, gone to the mission field. Now, instead of being well-to-do, he's totally dependent by faith on the gifts and generosity of God's people. Who would do that in their right mind? unless he's been saved from confusion, chaos, <laughs> whatever it happens to be. There's a living Christ who rescues people from their sin, chaos, confusion, and one day will settle it all in the conflicts of the world. So, Charlie Brown and anybody else who's listening in, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for who? Oh, for all the people in the city of David, there's been born for. Can you put your name in there? Just in your mind right now. Has been born for John Hocko, as awful as he is. Can you put your name in there? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Well, we're going to close, and we're going to worship with a worship song that talks about who this remarkable person is who invaded history in Bethlehem. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. But as they're coming, I just want to say this. If you're leaning in, listening, if you're one of those people who says, I don't understand what this guy is saying every week, could be my fault, but I hope today I've been clear. And if you're not sure about this relationship with Jesus Christ, there's a couple of things you can do. You've got a bulletin, 
I hope you have one. We have them in the, at the, out at the door there, and on the right as you go out, there's a little uh, shelf, and there are bulletins there. Our phone number, our website, everything is on there. You can call the office, make an appointment to talk to me, even by phone. If you don't want to do that, in the pews in front of you, usually, unless you snuck into the back seats where you're not supposed to be, um, <laughs> there are these little papers. Pastor John, you can make contact with me through this. Write anything you want on there. Just be nice. And uh, if you would, you can drop it in that little box that's on the shelf back there, or you can hand it to any one of these worship leaders or any of the people you've seen working as staff today at the sound booth or ushers or whatever. They will make sure, right class, that I get it. Okay? I would love to talk with you about what it means to know the Savior who rescues us from conflict, condemnation, chaos, and confusion. I would love to. So feel free. Be courageous enough to turn one of those in. Or I'll be hanging out for a few minutes. Come right up and talk to me. Okay? Sound good? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I don't think thank you is adequate, but thank you. Thank you for rescuing your people from their sins. And our desire is that everyone under the sound of our music and voice today would be rescued and know that they are rescued and that they have life eternal, are in the process of being transformed by the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus. The good news, the good news of Christmas. We're thankful, we're thankful, and we bless the name of Jesus today. Amen.